repeat the topic for the day. Say, don't be, don't be fake. fake. Be, genuine. be genuine. Do you know anybody that's not genuine? Have you ever dealt with people that when you get close up on them, there is a tendency to not necessarily be authentic? There's this sort of shaky, kind of not-so-accurate uh, portrayal that they give you. But you know over a period of time that's just not who they really are. You see it when your sister brings a guy to the house and she's just putting on the best show and being as nice as she can and you're going, who is that? Boy, you better watch out. She got a mean right cross. You don't even know who she is. Same thing with your brother who brings somebody home and you see how he pretends. And there's something about knowing people knowing them up close. Sometimes when I counsel people, I'll tell them, I don't know you well enough. Go ask somebody who really knows you. What would your mama say about this? What would your daddy say? What would your brother say? What would your coworker who's worked with you for 20 years say? There's something about having people in your life who know the truth, the truth about you, and you being honest. This sermon is about you being honest about you. Honest about where you are. So for a minute, if you could just take off the mask for a minute and say, okay, this whole month, this whole month, pastor's talking about building a better me. And the way to build a better me is to make sure that four things are true. I need to have faith. I don't need to be a faithless person. I need to make sure I'm clear about what I believe and stick with what I believe. Secondly, pastor said, I need to make sure I'm not fragile, that I'm not easily broken, that anything upsets me, and before you know it, someone can look at me funny, look at me sideways, and I am off the charts, out of control, depressed, real fragile, always needing prayer, always needing somebody to counsel you, always, because everything gets to you. If you're going to build a better you, you can't be fragile, because becoming a better you is not always easy. Thirdly, I said, you can't be fearful. Come on, say, I can't be faithless. Can't be, can't be fragile, and I can't be fearful. Can't be fearful. Scared of everything. What, what are you afraid of? I talked about that last week. Then I asked you the question, why are you afraid? Then I gave you, if you want to go back and listen to the sermon, because all the sermons are online and they're free, or on the app, they're free too, Overcoming by Faith Ministries app. If you download the app, it's all there, all simple. I asked you the question, I gave you seven things I'm tempted to fear. And it's a great talk, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't, go back and listen to it. But here's the next thing. Today, we talk about fake. So you can't be faithless, you can't be fragile, you can't be fearful, and you can't be fake. Say them with me, please. Say faithless, faithless fragile, fragile, fearful, fearful and fake. fake. I don't like the word fake. It's a hard word. It sounds harder than I want it to be. But the word really is about being genuine. Just be truthful. I love the verse Jesus said, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in what? truth, right? They got to be truthful. It's tough. I don't like you. That's tough to say. So don't say it. But it is true. There are people you're around, you just don't feel it. You just don't feel it for all kinds of reasons. Next week, I'm going to switch gears on you, and I'm going to talk about something else. By the way, if you want to know where I'm going in the study, this is the whole overall theme for the year is called cutting a new path. I'm answering one question this year. How do you do that? How do you cut a new path in your life? Well, you do it by, number one, building a better you. Not your neighbor, not your friend, not your cousin. It's all about you. Focus on yourself. Make sure you're not fragile, fearful, fake, and so on. Make sure that you're clear about you. 
That's all going to be what I call volume one. Can you say volume one? one. Now I'm turning to volume two next week, which is the same topic, but from a different angle. Next week, I talk about habits. And I start a journey that really excites me because I'm going to talk about how habits help you make a better you. You will never have a better you unless you change your habits. Sorry. Your habits determine where you're going. They are predictors of your future. They're prophetic predictors of where you're headed. I can look at where you are and tell you the habits you've had. The habits in your life are obvious. And, and I, my, so my goal is to change my habits. And one of the things I'm going to talk about down the road is how your thinking affects you, your thinking habits. But that's down the road. But all of this is about you building a better you. And then once we finish with that, we'll talk about building a better vision. But that's down the road. But the goal is to help you cut a new path. So we'll start with two volumes. How to build a better you. Volume 1, volume 2, volume 1 today. Let's close it out with the whole issue of being fake. Look with me and notice, if you would, a, a conversation that Jesus has in Matthew 23. In this conversation, Jesus talks about fake people. And he does it in a way that's pretty brutal and pretty strong. It's one of the strongest places in the Bible where Jesus really lays it on thick. And he says, let me show you some fake people. What's sad is they're religious people. What's really sadder is they're religious leaders. And there are four things that I want to first of all talk about that would help you understand what can cause a Christian to be fake before I read the verse to you. There are four things. And if this is kind of like the four things he says about these people, the Pharisees and scribes in a minute. But if you notice, I gave you the big question for today is what can cause a Christian to, to be fake? So let me just jump in and give you the four things. You ready? Their thinking is improperly aligned. Say that with me, please. Come on. If you ask me the question, you say, what can cause a Christian, a believer, a church person, a believer in Christ, a person who says they know Christ, what can cause them, what can cause them to become fake or, or not genuine is their thinking. Their thinking is not properly aligned. They think wrong. If you think wrong, if you have a view of life and you approach things a certain way, you will always get it wrong. Secondly, their religious expectations of others. They have this, 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 I don't know, they expect people to be perfect. They expect people, people to understand everything. They, they, just, they have these expectations. And they call themselves names. I'm not against the name. I'm just saying it's true. We're all saints, right? We're all, and that implies to a person who doesn't, who's not a church person, they, they think you say you're perfect. That's not what you're saying. I understand it's, a little, it's an intimate term we use among you know, Christians sometimes. But people who listen to you don't always know what you're saying. What is salvation? It's a big word. What does it mean to an average person who's not a church person? The people you work with, for example. When you say you're saved, from what? They don't know what you're saying. They put up with you, but they just kind of smile and go, yeah. He's real. And then their, their summary is you're just real religious. <coughs> Thirdly, their need to be the center of attention. That's, that's one of the things that can cause a Christian to become fake because... If I've got to be this highlighted person, I'm a light to the world and everybody's looking at me. You know, as a pastor, when you come in the room, it's really interesting because you're supposed to be the man of God. And so, you know, you kind of get your man of God look on. You know, you're, you, know you know what I'm saying? There's a look and there's a tone. And, and sometimes, you know, I was telling a guy the other day, I said, sometimes we're just scared. That's why we just hide. You know, we kind of hide a little bit because we're kind of, you know, it's, it, and it is nerve wracking. 
It's a nerve-wracking job. You know, you get up here, people look at you and judge whether you look good today. Did he comb his hair? You know, who cares? Give me a break. You know, but there are moments, there are moments I'm serious, where there are moments where you really struggle with getting in front of people. And then fourthly, their approach to leadership is not servant-minded. It's not about serving people. It's about being in charge. And so if you're not careful, you could become a person who's not genuinely concerned about anybody. You're really concerned about you. Now, what I want to do is I want to walk through this in Matthew 23. You'll see it fleshed out in what Jesus said. But I'm going to kind of do it a little bit differently than I have it written. I'm going to give you, I'm going to read through all the texts first, okay? Because I want you to hear all 11 verses. I normally don't read 11 verses, do you? And they're all broken down in your notes if you're watching. If you're not home, you just turn to Matthew 23. You won't be bothered by this, but those of you with notes, follow me for a second. Look at verse 23 under number 1. Then Jesus spoke to the disciples, Matthew 23, verse 1. Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the who? Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. These are the leaders, he says. They sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to do to observe, that observe and do. But what does he say? Do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Amazing, isn't it? Skip on down. Verse, verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Verse 5. But all their works, read that with me, please. Come, but all their what? They do to what? Be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men rabbi. Phylacteries are these pouches they put on their head and they put scriptures in them. It's like, it's like a just think of it like a, a hat. I saw a guy the other day. I was, he's a nice guy. He said, really great guy. Honest to God, wonderful man. He had a hat on. He said, man of God. I said, go boy, that's a bad phylactery right there. Just <laughs> bad. Man. You know, big t-shirts. I am God's best. I know you are. You somebody. And, they, we, and so I'm not against that. I'm not, we're going to have, you know, T-shirts that have our theme on it. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just making a point. Sometimes if you're not careful, that's kind of, you know, that's our cross and our symbols and all the things that we wear it can mean something to us more than it should. And in these guys' mind, they loved it. They loved the best seat in the church. When they come, you know, uh, good to be here. Where am, where am I sitting? Where's the pastor's seats? Where's the minister's section? Where's the elder section? I'm not against that. I'm not against that. I'm not, well, I'm not, I'm not picking. I'm, I'm saying I have to be careful that I don't get caught up in, that I don't get caught up in that whole thing. It's a trap for me. It's a trap for all of us. That I'm supposed to be highlighted, the center of attention, that this is all about me. Well, watch what happens. Verse number 8. Now, verse number 8 gets into this hyperbolic moment because Jesus is trying to exaggerate a point to make a point. So you know how you say something, I feel like I'm going to die, but you don't really mean that, right? You're just saying this is really hard. That's what you're trying to say. So he gets hyperbolic here a little bit, a little hyperbole, verse 8. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all what? Brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father. He who is in heaven, verse 10. And do not be called teacher, for one is your teacher, the Christ. So it's just like he's exaggerating to make a point that we're all brothers. Then verse 11, almost done. But he who is greatest among you shall be your what? Servant. And, and what, whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. 
and he who humbles himself uh, will be exalted. So here's a dialogue where four things are taught, four things genuine people try to do. Okay, number one, four genuine people try to align what they say with their actions. They try to align what they say with their actions. When you say something, is it really aligned with what you do? I think we are guilty. I have been guilty. We've all been guilty of being hypocritical. What we say and what we do is not necessarily the same. Number two, genuine people strive to have fair expectations. Verse 4 says they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. They expect things from people that they don't expect from themselves. They expect perfection from their children, and they're not perfect. You're beating your kids for what you are afraid they'll do because you used to do it. You were not always on time. You, were not, you didn't always make the greatest, best grades, but you're not going to have the next generation be like you. So you try to beat you out of them. Can I get an amen to that one? Some of you kids say, Pastor Rick, thank you for that word. That was enough right there. I can go home now. <laughs> Number three, genuine people don't strive to be the center of attention. These guys were all about being seen. It's really, really important. To, to, that's not your motivation. That's not what drives you because if that's what drives you, there's a lot that comes with that. How I interact with you, how long I talk. Today, you know, I've, I've gone to funerals where the guys just talk absolutely too long, and I think it's because he got an audience. And I'm just sitting there thinking, this is awful. And there's something about realizing this is not about me. Even this moment here, this is not about me. This is about the message I'm communicating. I do my best to do my part. I don't want to come up here looking like a person who shouldn't be up here. But, you know, you prepare, you pray, you do your best. But, it, but it's not about me, at the end of the day, being great. I don't want to be awful. But, but if, you're, if ever a teacher stands in a classroom and it's all about the teacher, not the student, it's all about you making some grand presentation. If you're the CEO of a corporation, it's all about you. It's not about the company or the product or the people who buy it. If you lose sight of that, the, the real bottom line of your purpose, you're a servant. Genuine people don't strive to be the center of attention. Number four, and finally, they strive to be servant-minded. The greatest among you should be your servant. It's all about serving. It's all about caring and serving. And, and if you get that in, keep that in mind, it helps you. Let me just make a sidebar here for a minute. One of the traps in my job is it can be about growth. It can be about money. It can be about buildings, bodies, and budgets. Say those three. Come on. Say buildings, bodies, and budgets. Buildings, bodies, and budgets. It's just, ah, got to get more bodies in the building. Got to get a bigger budget so we can do more king, you know, kingdom work. And we get, if we're not careful, we're not serving anybody. There's no long-term purpose other than gathering on a Sunday or a Wednesday and having a service and having more people come, and then that's, that's success. And then I get to travel all over the place and tell people how great God is in my life. That's terrible. That's not success. That's not serving. And the world smells it. They ask you, what are you doing? 
when I was not a church person, this is the truth, I didn't understand why you would come here. I, 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 this is the truth. I could not understand the reason for going to church. If you tried to, I didn't start really going until I was about 15. I went, I told you all that. It's hard to believe, but it's true. I couldn't, if you asked me about church, I wasn't anti-church. I wasn't anti-God. I was a God-fearing person, prayed every night, you know, having a little prayer. My mama prayed with me. We prayed, prayed over our food. But it's, and she told me don't cuss, told me the golden rule. I went, you know, anyway, enough of that. But that's, that's I, I couldn't understand the reasoning. Can you, can you think with me about, think, why would a person want to be here if it doesn't help them? If we don't become a team of people that band together and, and raise money to go do great things in the world, why give us any money? Come on, say amen louder than that. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't understand why. You know, this is joined the YMCA. Why? why? What, what's our value? We use a lot of Christianese, I love that term, language. I heard it yesterday. A lot of Christian language, a lot of, a lot of you know, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. You know, and we greet each other with all that. And it's wonderful. But in terms of value, during a crisis, are we helpful? In terms of how your life is being lived on a day-to-day basis, are we helpful to you? It doesn't make any sense to do all of this, and it's not about serving people. Let the greatest among you be your what? Servant. We raise money. We do what we do. We have buildings. We have properties. We're going to expand to help more people. That's what gives us value. That's why you have a staff. The staff's job is to create opportunities and find ways to make the world better. That's what we told them when we said we're a nonprofit organization, by the way. We lied to the government, said, no, we're a nonprofit organization. Well, if the nonprofit organization is all about me, we've lost sight of what we even promised the government. Can I get an amen on that one? You say, you say to people, when you establish a church, you have to, you have to get a corporation, okay? You have to just, okay, there are laws here, you know. You don't have to, anyway, let me stop. So <laughs> the, point, the point is, there's something about helping people understand your purpose. Do, you have a, do we have a reason to live? Do we have a right to live? I think it's, you have to sometimes pause and ask people. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and the scribes and saying, listen, guys, uh, you're not doing what you said. You're not doing what you said. You've got power with God. Who cares? You're powerful. Yay. What does that have to do with me and my daily life? Help me with my life. God did not give you power so you can hold it over me and make me feel smaller than you. It's not about that. It's not about that. I'm I'm, I'm glad people honor me. Somebody was honoring me the other day. It's a family member, and they said, Ricky, oh, I'm so sorry. Pastor Ricky, I said, look at me. What am I to you? Cousin, I said, good cousin. My mama named me Ricky. It's okay, thank you for honoring me, but I'm, I'm Ricky. I'm, I'm glad to be honored. All y'all don't come here and say, hey, Ricky, after church, watch, there's going to be a whole bunch of Rickies. <laughs> If you get what I'm saying, say amen. amen. Let me get on. Get on. Let me close this. Four facts about the fake are not as so genuine. I love, this, I love the way Jesus jumps into this because he closes out with this incredible 
from verse 13 to verse 36 summary. And I'm going to just read the highlight, the bold print, okay? I'm not going to read all of it. So I want to just simply see what he said. These are observations about people who are fake. And it's surprising. It's surprising because you would think this wouldn't be true. Let me show you. First of all, first of all, they're often very influential. People who are fake, people who are not genuine, oftentimes are very influential people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, verse 13 says, Matthew 23. Hypocrite, strong word, where it means actor, pretender. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourself nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. You offend widows. They abuse widows. Amazing. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. You pray a long time. Therefore, you will receive great condemnation. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel. Look at this. They travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as bad as you. The way he says it is twice as much a son of hell <laughs> as yourself. Famous, influential people, winning people, doing amazing things, traveling the world. There's, these are influential people. But they're, they're, they're not genuine. Influence and fame doesn't make you genuine. Having traveling great distances doesn't make you genuine. We are so, we're so impacted by influential people. And we cannot tell this is not necessarily genuine. And I want to say a couple of things. I don't mean any harm. I don't mean any harm when I say this because I, I, I like celebrities. I know a bunch of them. I love people who are successful. I got a bunch of friends. I'm not against any of that. I'm not against any of that. I'm just simply making a point. Influence doesn't make me genuine. Influence doesn't make me right. Just because I can give you a list of who people, where I traveled and who I touched and all that, that doesn't make me right. Big house, big, none of that makes me right. Sometimes if we're not careful, we think simply because they're known or influential or they have a big resume that that makes them a wonderful person to listen to. Jesus says these are guys who are influential. Pharisees were the most influential religious group in that day. And he says these guys are not genuine. And Paul, the apostle who was a Pharisee, was listening to this sermon. He could hear this message. I'm sure they talked about it because there was a small group. Some say there was no more than 6,000 of them at one time. And so this group of intimate guys, these, these, these what I call the, the Marines of religion, these guys would talk about, did you hear that message that Jesus preached, talked about we're, we're hypocrites, calling us these names? I've sat at the great feet of Gamaliel, the great, greatest scholar of the day. How could he call me a hypocrite? See, I want you to think about this. Influential people can move you in the directions that are unhealthy for you. Secondly, sometimes people who are not genuine make big promises. They make big, they make big theological declarations. And what they're saying has, a, has an ulterior motive. Listen to verse 16. What are you blind guides who say, you say, who swears by the temple it is nothing. Swearing by the building of the church is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold, not the money, that's <laughs> the gold. See, Big promises, big statements, big declarations, but you're not genuine. We're going to do this for God. But in reality, it's more about the money than even the temple or the building. Your priorities are twisted. 
You're more focused on something that has no long-term value. You put, your, you put your faith in the wrong thing. Big promises, but an ulterior motive. <coughs> I'll say this and I'll get off of it really quick. I get budgets and money and buildings. I get it. I manage it. I get it. Thousands of people come through here in a month, and I'm telling you, it's not cheap. If you're not careful, you'll focus more on the gold than the house of God. Kind of like this. You ready? I need you right now to dig down deep. <laughs> you know, we're trying to do something, and you want God to bless you. Listen to me. How many of you need a miracle from God? How many of you right now need something from God? Raise your hand if you need God to work in your life. You need a financial miracle. Well, listen, right now, I need 500 of you. I need to nah, take 100 of you to bring me $100 right now. Let the Lord lead you right now. I don't see you going in your pockets. I don't see anybody getting their wallets. You faking. You ain't going in your wallet. I saw you. That's a fake move, bro. You wasn't going in there. And I want you to come bring it up here and put it in my hand right now. And when you do, there'll be a point of contact, and God will bless you, and God will anoint you, and God will prosper you, and this will be your year. Come on, say, this is my year. This is my season. And nobody is moving. What's wrong with y'all? What's wrong with you people? What's wrong with you? I promise y'all never do that. Let me tell you what I believe. First time, every time I see that, you know what I do? I First of all, I feel. I feel for them. Because I know this is a budget issue. He, does, he started, had this conference. cost $500,000 to have all the lights and all the stuff. Stuff's expensive. Big screens, big lights. When I go into conference, I say, ooh, that's $1,000, that's 1000 Because I know what it costs because I paid for it. You know what I'm saying? You know how when you pay for stuff, you know what it costs? I say, ooh, Jesus. I look at the bulletin. Ooh, that's nice. Somebody, can I have that bulletin right there? That bulletin. I could get a nicer bulletin for y'all. I really could. But let me tell you what y'all going to do. You ready? <laughs> this is what y'all going to do <laughs> with this at the end. I'm sorry. You go, bro. God bless. <laughs> that's what y'all going to do with this. <laughs> that's what y'all going to do with this. <laughs> Can I have another bulletin? That brother's offended. I done messed up that brother's bulletin. Anybody want to donate his bill here? I'm sorry, bro. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all need to cut it up. Cut it. Here. Here. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. You, you got it. You got it. Okay. That's what you're going to do with it. You can't find last week's. So I try not to just dig, dig a hole for myself, creating stuff and expenses that I know you're going to throw away. I want something that's nice. You can read it. That's all. I want you to read it. And eventually that's going to go away and it's going to be digital. It already is digital. You know, you know, I'm moving that way. But here's the point. Here's the point. I watch him. He creates all these expenses. Got all these guests coming in. They get they got to get paid. They got to fly them in. They got to, you know, they fly me in. They got to fly me in. You know, I'm not coming for free. Nothing personal. But why would I come to your conference way in Seattle someplace, fly myself there and then, you know, have to stay in, a, in, in your house. I'm not doing that. So I still got to pay for my hotel. You got to pay. And that's fair. Come on, say fair. Yeah. That's fair, right? Right? Okay, so I do all that. And then you got to pay 10 people. And you add all this up together, and you at the end of, and, and, you, you, and it's the last night, and you only got $200,000, and you need five, and so you ain't got the money. You're praying. That's why you have a long offering. <laughs> I feel for them. Sometimes I give if I have it. You know, sometimes I, sometime I say, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> let me finish this sermon. Y'all get me all in trouble. I'm all off today. Big promises, big statements. But the motive sometimes wasn't really what the motive should have been. 
Sometimes I should have done it differently. And that's why I have to be careful with you. We're going to do some things. We're going to expand some facilities, but we're going to try to be smart. And part of it is really about understanding the danger of putting more value on the wrong thing. Thirdly, a person who's not genuine can be financially committed. They can be a tither. They can be a giver, a genuine giver. Watch this, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe. They are tithers. They were givers. They were faithful tithers. The word tithe, for those who don't know, is the word that means tenth. Some of you say tithes. No, this is a tithe. Everybody say the word. Say tithe. A tithe is a tenth. I'm a believer in tithing. And I understand people don't, but I do. I believe the Bible clearly teaches, and I'll show you why in a minute. Jesus said, you pay tithe, and they would, it's a, a tithe is a tenth. So if you make a dollar, you give God a dime. If you make $100, you give God 10. You say, Father, I honor you first. It's the first, it's the first thing, I first check I write every week. First, the first thing I give when I get paid is my tithe. That's just me. And I give a tithe to God and a tithe to myself. That's my intent. That's my, my goal. I call it the 10, 20, 30 rule. I try to honor, honor God first. I always pray. Even if it's online, I pray first. Then I give myself. And some of you say, well, I can't do that. Well, I give yourself 5%. Give yourself something. Always pay yourself. Say, always pay yourself. Always honor God, honor yourself, right? And then if you can do 20%, 30%, but be a big saver. Make that a golden life. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So when the hurricanes come, you can get away. Well, watch this. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. That, that, they're really cumin. That, cumin, that's really um, spices. So if they, they would tithe on their garden stuff, the, the stuff they grew in their garden. These were real, real religiously committed people, but they were not genuine. How could a person be a tither? Now listen to this. And have neglected, you neglected the weightier matters of the law. You forgot, to be just, you forgot justice and mercy and faith. Read this out loud with me, please. Say, these, these you, ought to you ought to have done, have done. without leaving, without leaving. The, others the others undone. Listen to this now. He says, blind guys, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. Here's the big point he makes. You ought to have tithed. I believe it validates tithing in the New Testament. There's more to say about that. And there are people, I mean, people who aren't against tithing, don't, don't, they, they normally don't, they're not managing anything. Tithing is for the provision of ministry full time to be able to do this. This is not possible without people who honor God first. If you have 10 people move in your house and only eight of them, uh, two of them work, you have a problem. Amen? Amen. But then you, let's say they have 10 more friends and we'll move them in. Now we got 20 people in the house and 16 of them don't work. Let's double the church. Let's grow. What happens is you have a church with 1,000 people and 800 of them. I'm not making this up. 800 to 900 of them. Let me say it again. 800 to 900 of them give nothing. If you are a volunteer, you see it. They don't feel any kind of obligation or commitment. They're the ones who come to your house and you order the pizza. They put nothing in, but they're the first one to get a slice. <laughs> come on, say amen if you're in church. I'm not putting anybody down. You don't have it, you don't have it. If you don't have it, you know, we're going to tease you. But, you know, when you get it the next time, we expect you to join the fight. Come on, say amen, right? Amen. So it's important to understand that that's why God established tithing. So all these people who write articles against tithing and stuff, I said, well, what are you managing? You sitting home with your theological Bible out writing stuff about, well, I don't believe the New Testament is under the law. Well, you know what? 
so is Psalm 23 in the Old Testament. We're not talking about something that legalistic. I'm not going to make you afraid. You know, you know, it's up to you. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not chasing that. I'm just simply saying Jesus validates it. And, but I wanted to make a bigger point here that you can be a tither and not be genuine. You can almost think you're paying God off. I'm going to give God money, but live like I want to live. And then lastly, you can look good. You can look really good to everybody and not be genuine. Right language, right sound. This is how, listen carefully, you marry the wrong person. This is how you come to church and pick you a demon sitting in the audience <laughs> or a demonette. They come in male and female versions. I want you to know that. Because you, you base it solely on looks and appearances and sounds. Here's what the Bible says. What do you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, verse 25? You cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of what? extortions and self-indulgences. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Verse 27, last verse. For woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like the whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. In other words, you're like a grave. We have the clean gravestone, but inside there's a dead man. He said, even so, also, outwardly, you appear righteous to men, but inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so in my own heart, I pray this prayer. Lord, help me to be genuine. I'm not perfect, but help me not be fake. And let me be honest. Let me admit my struggles. Let me admit I am struggling. Somebody said something to me the other day that was very touching. He says, you know, I want to come to church, but I, I am not where you guys are. And I said to this person, bring your brokenness, bring your challenges, come as you are. Amen. Just be honest. Amen. God, I need you today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone watching from home, who would say, I need you in my life, but I don't know how to do this on my own. I am not all I need to be, but I come to you and I ask you to forgive me today. Let this be a moment when my life is changed by your hand alone. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me through my seasons of confusion, addiction, bad habits. Thank you for loving me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life today. I ask you, come into my heart today and give me a brand new start, brand new beginning. I'm coming to you, asking you, trusting you for a new start in the name of Jesus can you look at me for a second who's that person that you can get around and there's no pretense there's no fake there's nothing 
There's absolutely nothing that you have to put on. Generally, they call you by your first name. Generally, they smile when they see you. They know all the mistakes you've made. You owe them some money, and they know you can't pay them back. (laughs) But they love you, and they hug you, and they forgive you. God is better than that, friend. He knows all your secrets. He knows all your hidden moments. He knows you deserve to be in jail. Come on, say amen, somebody. Oh, yeah, he could turn state's evidence on you. But God loves you. You're wearing the clothes you stole. Come on, say amen. <laughs> to church. <laughs> you know that, right? I had a guy here, he stole the Bible from the bookstore here once. I said, just keep it. (laughs) You can have it. You you really need it. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Father, let people today come to you with an open heart. (laughs) Father, I pray in Jesus' name. (laughs) It's like every time I see that guy who stole that Bible, I smile. (laughs) Hug him. I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, that your spirit would just touch everyone in this room, everyone watching from home who just needs to be loved today, forgiven and freed. Every head bowed, every hand down for a second, every head bowed. If you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. That prayer you prayed is for me. I want you to just, I want this to be the beginning of my new walk. Just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Who's that person saying, yeah, pray, ask for me, Pastor. Just raise your hand real quick. Put it up, put it down. So that's me. I see you one, I see two, I see three. Anybody else saying, that's me? I see more. God bless you, your heart. Hearts lifted, hands lifted. Let's all lift our hands together, shall we? Father, we lift our hands together. And we thank you today in Jesus' name for the difference you make. May this be a transforming moment for those who are here, those who are home, those who are on demand, wherever they are. May this be the moment they say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. And I give you my life today in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.